And so this is going to be in Mark chapter 16, reading from verse 12. And after that, he appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking along on their way to the country. They went away and reported it to the others, but they did not believe them either. So what you see here is that all Mark tells us is that there were two people, doesn't tell us if there were men or women, two, it just says two, that he appeared to in a different form and while they were walking on their way to the country. And it says that when he appeared to them, it says they reported it to the others, but the others didn't believe them. So that's all Mark tells us. So Mark is giving us just a a real snippet of something that the Gospel according to Luke is really going to expand upon and give us more insight. And you say, well, why does Mark give us so little and Luke so much? Well, because Mark is named Mark and Luke is named Luke and they are different people. You'd have two different people tell you a story. One will keep it very short. One will keep it very long. I'll go out with a friend of mine and Shereen will say, what do you guys do? I'll say, nothing. What do you talk about? Nothing. And... You know, that's the content of what I say. And then if I say, where'd you go out tonight? She'll tell me, and well, what'd you talk about? And just, just this information dump of every word that was said. I'm like, uh, okay, all right. And, you know, I wasn't really asking for that, but okay. But you see, so different people will tell, the, will tell events, and they'll, they're just based on what they're trying to communicate, they will give different sorts of information. And uh, uh, it says that Jesus, he appeared to them in a different form, a form different than what he had appeared to the women just above, that he appeared to Mary and this group of women. Uh, uh, this group of women recognized him immediately. He appeared to them in a form in which they recognized immediately. To Mary, she at first thought he was the gardener, and then when he called her name, then she recognized him. In this case, it says he appeared in a different form. So what I want to do is I want to read to you a little passage because the Lord actually does this today. He does appear. The scriptures say that many of us have entertained angels without knowing it. And I want to read you this little story. This is from a book called Joshua by Joseph Gerzoni. And I want to read you a portion. This is as he's describing an event that has taken place, that took place in his home. He said, our family of 12 children grew up During the Depression years, it was routine for people who wandered the streets to stop at our back door daily and ask for something to eat. My parents would always welcome them as members of the family, as my father would give them his place at the table and serve them. His answer to our question as to why he was so nice to these shabby-looking strangers was that whatever we do to the poor, we do to God. God visits us in the form of the poor. That never meant anything to us until one night. There was a knock at the back door. It had been snowing all day, and there was over a foot of snow on the ground. We were surprised that anyone would be out on such a miserable night. When one of us opened the door, a man was standing there, thin, bearded, and shabbily dressed. Before the man could say anything, my father invited him in and seated him as usual. He offered the man a bowl of soup, but the man declined. Just a piece of bread and a cup of coffee will be fine, was all he said. When my father tried to get him to take something nourishing, the man said, No, save it for the children. Then he proceeded to bless his little meal and eat it. One of my sisters asked if he was a kidnapper. 
No, I love children, was all he said. When he finished, he asked God to bless us all. Then he took his cap and he left, expressing his thanks as he walked out the back door. We all ran to the various windows to watch him go out the alley. When he didn't pass, we went back to the kitchen and looked out the kitchen window onto the porch. No sign of him. When we opened the back door, we looked on the porch. He was nowhere to be seen. And there were no footprints in the snow, either on the porch or in the yard. He had just disappeared. Going back into the house, everyone wondered where he went. Father merely said, you should always learn to see God in the poor. Since then, we have realized that God has come to visit us all, all of us, many times in various shapes and disguises. So, you know, that's just one instance from this man's life. And it says Jesus appeared to them in a form that they didn't recognize. So let's, let's turn over to Luke. And, and Luke gives us a little bit more understanding on the same portion. This is in Luke chapter 24. And we're going to start reading uh, in verse 13. Luke 24, verse 13. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about the things which had taken place. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are these words that you're exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still, looking sad. One of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him over to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that he that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all this, it is the third day since these things happened. But also some women amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it exactly as the women had also said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in the scriptures. So it says that there were two walking. We don't know. It it says that there were two of them walking and it names one of them. uh, His name is Cleopas. It, it says that in verse uh, 13, I'm sorry, in, in, verse, uh, in verse 18, it says his name was Cleopas. And, and uh, Cleopas is sometimes called uh, Clopas. It's shortened to Clopas. Clopas was the husband of one of the Marys that often followed Jesus. Cleopas is probably mentioned. There's two people here. Only Cleopas is mentioned by name. Cleopas actually turned out to be quite a famous person in the early church. After James, the, the brother of the Lord, was, was uh, put to death. James was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Cleopas took over. And 35 years after this event, Cleopas is going to lead the believing Jews out of Jerusalem before the Roman destruction of Jerusalem. He was the leader of the Jerusalem church, and that's probably why he is specifically named here. 
So there's two people walking, and, and it says two of them were going that very day in verse 13 to the village of Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, we don't know where the village of Emmaus really is, but we do know it's about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were walking. Well, why were they walking out of Jerusalem? Because remember, they had just had the Passover feast. Every male, every male Jew was supposed to be in Jerusalem for the Passover feast. They set up ten cities all around the old city. And now they're leaving because uh, uh, Thursday was the Passover, the, the, where the families took their, their, their lamb in the ten cities. Each family would come together and groups would come together and have a, have a, a lamb. On Friday, they would offer up the lamb, the priests would, at 9 a.m. They'd offer up another lamb in the temple. It was exactly at 9 a.m. that Jesus was crucified on that Friday. Saturday was the Sabbath day. They couldn't travel. Sunday now, this is Sunday afternoon, they are now traveling. And so there was this, a lot of people walking out of Jerusalem during this time. So it's not at all unusual that there are groups of people that are watch, walking. There's these two men, one of them Cleopas, and they're walking to Emmaus, which is about seven miles, which is a, about a day's journey. And, uh, uh, but it's going to take several hours. It takes at least a couple of hours to walk uh, um, seven miles. And it's not like Houston miles. It's all flat. It's down the hill and up the hill. So it's much harder walking around there. And as the, it says, and they were talking with each other about the things that had taken place. And while they were t- talking and discussing... Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. So again, not unusual that there were many people that were walking out of the city and Jesus happens to be walking too and so they feel that he must be coming from Jerusalem from the Passover feast. He says, but their eyes were, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Just as it said in Mark, he came to them in a different form. They didn't recognize him. And he said to them, what are these words that you're exchanging with one another as they were walking? And they stood, stood still, looking sad. So here they are walking and talking about the events of, of how the Lord had been crucified and all these things that have happened. And you'd say, well, everybody in that city should have known about it because the old city is 0.35 square miles. 0.35. So it's not like the city of Houston that it's, it's 360 miles in diameter, in, in, in circumference. It's, the city of Houston is huge. The old city of Jerusalem is about, the thir- about a third the size of the Rice University campus. Yes. So, if you go, and, and now they've expanded the wall, and now it's about half the size of the Rice University campus for the walled part of the city. The old city was little. It was a little place. Towns were smaller back then. So, could there be a crucifixion take place at Rice, and you not know about it? And this is about the third the size of that campus. And, 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 and so like in, in your corner of the campus, say the North, the, the, the north Colleges, could, could it happen? And so that's what like, it says that they were walking and when Jesus asked this question, it says that they stopped and they're like, you know, they, they, they just can't believe it, that this guy, is, and, 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 uh, and so they say to him, when they said, he said, what are you talking about? He says, they stood still looking sad. It said that they, they had been walking, but they just stopped. They're shocked and looking at him. One of them named Cleopas answered and said, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things that have happened here in these days? It's like, what world are you from? You know, you, you don't need yik-yak to know about this. I mean, it's, it's just, it's right there. 
Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who is a prophet mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people. So what did they understand about Jesus? It says that he was a prophet, which is true. And that he was said he was mighty in deed and word. His words were powerful. His words just were penetrating. And this is why, if you are an unbeliever, I challenge you to read the New Testament twice. Sometime during that saga of reading through the New Testament from Matthew to Revelations and through again, you will become a Christian. The Word of God can speak all by itself. You read the teachings of Jesus and you will turn to Him. He is a profound and powerful character. Had a, a, a Korean friend, a professor... He told me he was reading the scriptures. He wasn't a, 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 a Christian. He was reading the New Testament. I said, oh, you'll become a Christian. He went off. He was a professor at Rice. He went off. He ran for parliament in Korea. He won in a landslide vote, member of parliament. He came back to visit me. He said, I want you to know something. I said, what's that? He said, I'm a Christian. You can't get through the New Testament twice without becoming a Christian. He said, this man, Jesus, is a compelling figure. And so they knew him to be powerful in word and deed. They knew of his works. And it says, mighty indeed, and the word in the sight of God and all the people. They knew that he was powerful in this. And it says, uh, um, and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. So they delivered him to the sentence of death, they crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. It was their hope that He was the Messiah. Their hope upon Him that He was the one that was going to redeem Israel. And now all of that had been dashed with His death because they did not understand, though He had told them three times explicitly that He was going to die. In fact, one of those times it was quite clear exactly how He was going to die. They still didn't get it. They still didn't perceive what was happening. And so that they had hoped, there will be times in your life that you are going to hope and pray for something to happen. And it won't happen in the timing that you have. And your hopes will be dashed and your faith will be shaken. But just remember that God is able to come through. And even when we think that things are dashed, God has His redeeming work. And so that's how they felt. They said, we were hoping He was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. He was crucified on a Friday. Saturday was the Sabbath. This is Sunday afternoon now as they're working. There's no, as they're walking. There is no way that He could have been crucified on a Thursday or a Wednesday or a Tuesday. And this now be the third day. It is very clear. He was crucified on a Friday. The Sabbath was on Saturday. They're walking now on Sunday, leaving the city. And he says, but he says, but women amazed us when they when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had seen a vision. So all they knew about was that he had that that they had they had seen the empty tomb. They these two people who were walking, Clopas and the other person walking, didn't know about the sightings by Mary and the other group of women. You say, well, why didn't they know? Because they They weren't there when they came back reporting it. They had already started walking out of the city. 
They weren't there at that moment. There was no Twitter going to give you real-time events of what were happening. So these two people didn't know about that. All they said is they saw visions of angels, but they didn't see Him. And so Jesus said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into His glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, He explained to them the things concerning Himself in all the Scriptures. The Scriptures for them consisted of three parts. It's our Old Testament, but they had the writings of Moses, which are our first five books. They had the Psalms, which are, for example, the, the Psalms, the Proverbs, Songs of Solomon, the Songs, and then they had the Prophets. So they call it in three, they defined it in three different sections, just like we will section it in two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jews to this day will section theirs into three broad categories, Moses, the Songs, and the Prophets. And he went to each of those sections and he explained to them verses that they should have known that prophesied that the Christ, the Messiah, would come and would die for their sins. And it says in verse 28, And as they approached the village, they were going, and he acted as though he were going farther. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is going, getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. Verse 30, and he, when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it. And breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? Then they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them saying, the Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. They said, they said that to him, them. And they began to relate their experience on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of bread. So it says that they get to the Emmaus and Jesus is, is just going to go on, for, uh, 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 go on farther, it says. And they said, why don't you stay with us? I mean, it's evening time. They recognize this. Imagine what that Bible study was like where he takes the scriptures and just dissects it and starts telling them, showing them all the prophecies, they think, who is this scholar? I mean, a real scholar. Imagine a Bible study taught by Jesus. <laughs> and so they invite him in. And uh, because they've already reached their town, they think he's going to a town further away. But they invite him in and he says, okay. And, uh, um, and they, it says that they urged him saying, stay with us. They urged him, I want you to learn hospitality. The scripture commands us to be hospitable. You search the word hospitality, you'll get about 10 hits in the New Testament where we are urged to be hospitable. You're not born hospitable. We are born selfish. We learn hospitality. You learn how to be hospitable. And if somebody says, oh, no, thank you, don't say, okay, well, you don't get anything. You urge them. Because very often in many cultures, people will automatically say no. And I learned this when I was in college. I had a, a roommate. He was from, from South Yemen. And we went out. I, I invited him out for pizza. And we went out for pizza. And, and so as the pizza came, I, I started to pay for it. He says, oh, no, I will pay. I said, okay. And he paid for it. Then we got back to the to the. Uh, uh, to the place where we were living, and he started telling the other guys, Jim invited me out for pizza, and he made me pay for it. So like, hey man, what are you talking about? 
You said you wanted to pay for it. I was about to pay for it. He says, no, you are supposed to say, no, I will pay. <laughs> so, I mean, there are different cultures. So in different cultures, when they say, no, that, when they say, I'll pay for it, it doesn't mean I'll pay for it. It means you invited me, you pay for it. If they say, no, thank you, I don't want anything to eat, you don't say, okay. You say, no, you urge them to take it. You urge people, this is part of hospitality. Please, sit down. No, sit down. You make people feel welcome. This is something that you do. You learn hospitality. You learn to do this. They urged him to stay with them. Abraham did the same thing. The Lord and two angels came to visit, were walking by and he urged them to stay and to eat with him. And he urged them to do this. We learn hospitality. You are to learn to be hospitable. This is part of Christian life. You want to obey the New Testament? You want to obey the commandments? You learn to be hospitable. You can be hospitable long before you own a home. You can, you can be hospitable, hospitable. You can share what you have with others. You can be gracious. You can be welcoming. You're sitting in the, in the, in, in the server, by the server and you're eating. You see some people coming in. Sit with me. You see freshmen coming in. Invite them to sit with you. People whom you do not know. Invite them to sit with you. That's what we are called to do. We are called to be different. We are called to be different. The world doesn't do this and there's no expectation for them. But for us, as believers, we are called to be different. You sit with someone whom you do not know. You see somebody sitting alone. Have you ever experienced the pain of, of sitting alone in a cafeteria and no one's sitting with you? You see someone sitting alone, go and sit with them and just get to know them. Hi, my name is Jim Tour. What's your name? And you just start talking. This is something you have to train yourself to do. It is very easy not to do this. It is much harder to do this and we're called to do the hard thing. It says they invited him in and so it says he was reclining at table and so they're, they're, they're preparing a meal for him. And so he sits there and it says that he took the bread and he blessed it. The leader of the house is the one who is going to bless the bread and bless the cup and the prayers in those days were exactly as they are today in a Jewish home. It is, is thank you, O God, God of, of all the universe for this bread. Thank you, O God, God of the universe for the, for the fruit of the vine, for this cup. He was saying, but this is said by the, the leader of the home, unless there is someone whom you recognize as being a spiritual teacher and you let them do it. So they recognize by this time that this one who traveled with them is quite, quite some, some Bible scholar. And so they tell him to bless the bread. He does it. And when that happens, boom, he appears to them in a form that they immediately recognize. And then he vanishes. He said, how did that happen? Uh, he's God. That's how it happened. Doesn't normally happen. Just like this guy was going out of the back of that house. No footprints in the snow. He just disappears. And the Bible clearly says, many of us have entertained angels. Things happen in life. And so he appears to them, and then they said, wow, I mean, we, weren't our hearts burning within us? Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road and explaining to us the scriptures? And they got up that very hour and they returned to Jerusalem. So they had just walked seven miles, and now it's Sunday night, because remember they said the day is getting near an end, come on in. So now they've taken this meal, and they're going right back. So that's another two or three hour journey back to Jerusalem. They've got to tell the others. 
So they get back to Jerusalem, and as soon as they get there, the others, the other 11, it says 11 were there, started explaining to them, oh, by the way, while you were gone, on the way, Jesus appeared to Simon. And Simon Peter's like explaining, yeah, he appeared to me. And it says that, that uh, uh, and they're saying, hey, he appeared to, to me too. He appeared to us too. And they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized them in the breaking of bread. But we know by the portion that we just read in Mark that when they came back and shared with them, they didn't believe him. They weren't even quite believing Simon yet. And now two others come back and they're not believing them. At this point, one of the eleven, remember there were twelve disciples, one had already killed himself, Judas had killed himself. And now there are eleven. So when they get back there, there are eleven. But now, one of those eleven leaves. And his name is Thomas. And we know this by what we're going to read in John, is that, is that Thomas now leaves. And you say, well, why did that happen? Tell me. There's a group of eleven people and some others with them. Do you think that they all leave at exactly the same hour? No, I mean, some people leave early. Probably Thomas was like, Peter said he saw Jesus. Now these two guys say they saw Jesus. Ooh. <laughs> I gotta, I'm getting out of here. And he left. He just went. So look down in, 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 verse, uh, in verse 36. And while they were telling these things, so, so remember, Thomas is now gone. While they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still could not believe it, because of their joy and amazement, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it, and he ate it before them. So he demonstrates to them. Now he comes walking in. He comes in, and he says to, he, he says to them, Peace be to you. Shalom Aleichem. The same greeting that's used today in Israel. Peace be to you. And he, they're startled and they're frightened. They thought they were seeing a spirit. He says to them, Why are you troubled, and why do you doubt? I mean, here I am, you even see me. And you're doubting. He says, come and touch me. So he invites his friends, come and touch me. I mean, it's me. He's really showing it. You see the intimacy that he wants to have with his children. And then he even eats with them. And he demonstrates this eating with them. Let's turn to to, uh, uh, John, the Gospel according to John chapter 20. And we'll pick it up talking about the same portion. John chapter 20, we're going to start reading from verse 19. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week. So how do we know this is the same occurrence? Remember, this is Sunday evening. They're taking dinner and they're eating their supper in, in, uh, um, in Emmaus on Sunday evening when Jesus reveals to them. They run back, two hours running back. They get back to Jerusalem. Still Sunday evening. This is talking about that same event. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut and the, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. So the doors were shut, the disciples, for fear of the Lord. They were afraid of being arrested. The doors were shut. How did Jesus get in there? Oh, my goodness. He's God, remember? <laughs> he can't walk through a closed door. He can just appear. 
Jesus appears to them, the doors, it specifically says the doors were shut. What John is trying to tell us, there's no way he could have slipped in. The doors were shut, it was locked, I mean, it, nobody was slipping in, and he appears. And he says, Shalom Aleichem. And he, when he had seen this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were rejoicing when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. For if you forgive the sins of any, their sins w- w- will have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they will have been retained. What he's saying to them is, it's going to be your job to be going out and to speaking to people about the love of the Lord and the grace of God. If you say, well, I'm not going to speak with those people, they're not going to be shared with. There is something where we have to give of ourselves. If you forgive the sins of people, they may well open up. There is a burden upon you to open up to people, to not think that they are too evil, that they're too no good to be even shared with. It says in verse 24, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So that's why we know. It said in Luke there were eleven there. They're explaining how they had seen the Lord. Thomas didn't believe them. He left. And before the Lord came and appeared to them, and now only ten of the eleven disciples, plus many of the other disciples who had been there, he appeared to. And now Thomas comes, and he, so, so, but Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the imprints of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. So Thomas left just at the wrong time. He leaves, Jesus shows up talks to them, they touch him, he eats with them, and then Jesus leaves, and Thomas comes back. And now it's not just these two, Cleopas and the other one from the road to Emmaus, and Simon testifying that they had seen the Lord. Already women had given the testimony that they had seen the Lord, but that didn't even figure. They weren't even believing that at all. But even now, these others coming back, they didn't believe it. Uh, And then he appears to all of them. Thomas not there. Now Thomas comes back, He says, I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. Thomas didn't believe this thing. And he says, I won't believe it unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails. In other words, I have to take my finger and stick it in those holes. And I have, and remember Jesus was stabbed in the side by the, by, by the soldier. It says, and I want to put my hand into his side. If I can't do that, I won't believe. Does that seem to you like a man who is trying to believe? Oh, yeah, yeah, I want to believe. I want to believe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I see it now. Yeah. Does, that, does it seem like an idiot? No, it seems like anybody would ask. I want real evidence. I've got to have real evidence. Show me. And none of this, you know, virtual reality, mist figure stuff. No. I want to put my finger into the holes in his hands and I want to even stick my hand into the hole in his side. Without that, I won't believe. So this is not a man who is trying to believe. This is someone who is skeptical. It says in in verse 26, after eight days, his disciples were again inside. Look how long. Remember, they were supposed to go up to Galilee. Three times they've been told to go to Galilee. Jesus appears to them. He finally gives up. 
He appears to them in Jerusalem. He says, you know, if they're not going to come, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go there. And he goes and he appears to them. And still they don't go to Galilee. So he goes, Jesus is probably up in Galilee waiting for them to come. You know, he's checking his watch, checking his, his iPhone. And, and what's with these guys? Eight days they didn't move because of this guy, Thomas. You see how influential he was? Thomas is putting all these doubts. Now, okay, you really touched him? Come on, guys. You can't be. Eight days. So this is the next Sunday. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here your finger and see my hands, and reach here your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said, My Lord and my God, and Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. So look what he does. He appears to them. They're in the room. The disciples were together again. Thomas now is with them. Jesus appears and Jesus doesn't say anything except, Peace be to you. And he said, Thomas, come here. You, come here. I want you to take your finger and stick it in this hole in my hand. It's okay. No, do it. Now, I want you to take your hand and stick it into this hole in my side. Do it. Deeper. <laughs> Feel that heart beating? Now do you believe that I've risen from the dead? It says that Thomas answered and said, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who do not see me and yet believe. We think that the disciples were really blessed to have been able to see the Lord. And Jesus turns the whole thing on its head. He says, you are more blessed if you believe without seeing. There is a greater blessing that we have in believing in His resurrection from the dead, having not seen with our physical eyes. The other thing that I want to emphasize, turn to, to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And I want, to, I, I want to read a verse here. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. Ephesians 5, 31. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Our relationship with God is not a physical one, not at all. But God takes the marital relationship and He uses that intimacy of a marital relationship where two people come and they are joined together as one flesh and He uses that as an image for Jesus and the church. This is not my image. This is His image. This is the depth of intimacy that Jesus seeks with His people. The depth of intimacy is that He wants a union with us that is characterized between the union between a man and his wife. This is His model, 
His analogy, His image. All of this that we're learning in the book of Ephesians about marriage, He says, it's, I'm talking about Christ and the church. The mystery is great. This is what I'm talking about. Yes, it applies to marriage, but it's Christ and the church. This imagery of one serving the other is Jesus and His church. This intimacy. Jesus, God, will allow us to get to know Him to the extent that we want. If you want to be standoffish with God, that's what you'll have, a standoffish relationship. If you want to be haphazard, in your walk with God, that's what you'll have is a haphazard relationship. But if you want real intimacy with our Lord, if you want real intimacy together with Him, you will have it to the extent that you want, you will have it with Him. If you are willing to spend time with Him, if you are read, willing to daily read your Scriptures, to put aside yourself and our own selves and our own sleep and our own welfare and our own good, to spend some time daily with Him in the Scriptures. You will have a deep and intimate relationship and you will feel a sense of God that wherever you go, He is with you. That you can be communing with Him just as you're walking along. When you have that time alone with Him, it seals a relationship there to the extent that we are open is the extent that He will allow us to be with Him. It's up to us. He wants an intimate relationship. That's why He says, come, touch me, feel my hands. What will it take? What will it take? This is what He offers to us, the intimacy of relationship with Him. The demonstration of that in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Abba Father, thank You so much for the truth of Your Word, Your wonderful Word. Father, I pray that you drill home to our hearts now our need to be open to a deep relationship with Jesus. That we would, be, we would believe and not be unbelieving. And that we would open up to have a relationship with you according to what you want to have with us. Lord, I pray that the depth of relationship with God would come home to our hearts Take these young people, I pray, and let them start in a relationship with You. Father, for those here that don't know You, who cannot experience this intimacy with God, Father, I pray for the salvation of their souls, that this very day they will say, Lord Jesus, forgive me because I am a sinner and come into my life. Father, Abba Father, glorify Yourself. Through these young people, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen.